My name is William Chernoff, and today on the Rhythm Changes podcast, I spoke to Chin Injetti. Chin is an iconic figure in Vancouver music at this point, so there were many questions I wanted to ask him. At the time of recording, his new single is called Golden, featuring Thieves Like Us. I did catch him here mid-studio session, hence the audio quality being a little different than past episodes, but I'm sure you'll still find this conversation enjoyable, heartwarming, and all these other words that could sum up anything in Chin's whole career. Please enjoy. I'm here with Chin and Jetty. Chin, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good, too. I can see, for those listening, that you're in the studio. So is there anything you can tell us about what you're currently up to right now? I'm working with this new artist named um, Zeta, Zeta Zot, and she's this incredible singer. And that's all I'm allowed to say right now. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I've heard you say a few times that Estero is your favorite singer in the world, but I haven't heard more about why so is is that still true and and what what are the attributes there that make you say that oh my god estero everything about her technically and soulfully and as a as a composer as a writer she's just brilliant she's yeah i, w- I would say she's probably my favorite singer for contemporary singers yeah she's incredible unbelievable anybody else you want to throw into the mix right now who you feel similarly about Oh, there's so many. There's just like Jeff Buckley, there's Stevie Wonder, there's Nasir Fat Ali Khan. It, it, it's very subjective, but I, I love Anderson Pack. It goes all over the place. I like Bobby Womack. Yeah. Nice. What are your favorite tracks on Songs in the Key of Life? You know what? I have to look at this because it's been a long time. I mean, the hits would be like, Isn't She Lovely, Sir Duke, and I Wish. Yes, yes. But I also like. Um, um sorry my alarm just went off to remind me that i'm talking to you um <laughs> i'll tell you right now it's been so long dude but it is my absolute favorite record of all time and it's really embarrassing that i don't know all the songs off it right now but i would say um oh love's in need of love yeah the opener um i think have a talk with god uh, Village Ghetto Land is incredible. Obviously, Sir Duke, but uh, oh, knocks me off my feet. It's unbelievable. I don't know. Literally, like I'm looking at this whole thing. I don't know which one to pick. They're all good, right? I think so. Yeah, me too. I mean, I don't think it's embarrassing, though. I think it's totally understandable because, like, how could you possibly keep track of all the great music that's out there today? You can't. You can't. But it's like one of those um the reason i'm embarrassed is because it's a classic it's so important it's in everything i do in this moment my, i just had a brain fart what uh makes a great baseline in your opinion what makes a great baseline in my opinion is something that keeps the time and something that respects the space around the time so basically it's a facilitating instrument as bass i don't like i mean i don't like it's a strong statement i more listen to groove players than lead players you know, like I think Thundercat is incredible, but I, I like a groove player, you know. What did you say that you said respecting the time? There's an interesting phrase that you just said there. Oh, respecting the time and the space around. around yeah. the group. Can you describe for like a non-musician, how would you describe what that means? Well, I would describe it like this. If I'm playing a part, I want to make sure the part I'm playing is making room for the singer to be the main part of the song. 
or or if I'm playing a part and the guitar riff is doing something special, I don't want to be walking over the guitar riff. You know, respect the space, and then when it's time to get busy, I I, I would do something, but hopefully I would do that with the drummer because it's complementary. Yeah. What about with your own music when those people are both you? Like, how do you approach that? Like, when you have to play bass part for your own song and you're the singer, like, what do you do then? Same. I have the same mindset. You know, I want to make sure the song comes first. And so the bass line usually complements the song. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're talking today on the occasion of your recent song, Golden, and that comes up because you have this like modulating bass that I guess you played on the keyboard underneath yourself. No, no it's, it's all live. It's all, uh, it's my P bass um, plugged into a Roland chorus pedal. Oh, so that's how you got that sound. Yeah. I've heard you talk a little bit about DJ Khalil, and I know that you've described him as your partner. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't had a long career at all yet i've had the chance to meet maybe one or two people who have just had that kind of massive impact in relative terms in my life and in my music that it sounds like khalil has had for you and it just makes me curious like what was it like for you to meet somebody like that and to discover that they were going to be your partner in that way we're like kindred spirits you know we like the same things about music and we like the same things about life we we're constantly talking about what we love and why we love it and that the and and like the philosophy behind the things that we love musically you know so when you meet someone that likes the same things as you they become a huge influence on you and before we came on here i watched your tedx vancouver talk again which was great fun i have that tune stuck in my head now that you closed it with (laughs) my favorite part about it when i first saw it and now was your anecdote of what it was like in your family's home in the basement at 3 a.m. when you were pouring the chai and there were people from different backgrounds all singing their song and coming together. Like, yeah. what, What's one other experience that you've had since then at, at any point in your life? What are the other kinds of experiences that you've had? What's an example of like that same feeling and where you've found that again? I, you know what? I probably have a feeling like that every week like uh, because of music. And if you're writing with the person and they say the right thing that captures that moment, you, you feel it like on so many levels, you know, it's life changing. It, it's more than just like writing a catchy song. You know, sometimes you write, especially during COVID, you know, you're, you're getting in touch with your inner self and you're writing songs of uh, being isolated. You're writing songs about being empty and alone and you're writing songs about being scared or you're writing about love and you're writing about loving your ch- child or your your spouse or your, you know, it, it's a whole different thing. And and for me, what was incredible is like music hit even harder because it took the whole world to shut down for me to open up again, you know? Where were you when you wrote your song, Golden? I was in my home studio and I was just, it just came out like, it just came out. Um, I made it, I made that song with my friend, Brian West, and he used to be in a group called Philosopher Kings. We were just writing and all of a sudden these lyrics came to me. That's pretty much how the song came out. What was it like when you spent that time at the beginning of COVID with your mom? Freely cathartic and necessary and sometimes a little scary and sometimes a little sad and mostly joyful. You know, and, and I, I'm so grateful for that time because 
I'll never get that time back again with my mom, you know? Yeah. And that was like the first three months, right? Yes. Three straight months away from my own kids. Wow. Yeah. Did you say that you wrote two albums worth of songs just in that time? Or is that in the whole past kind of year? Mm, I must have written at least that much music, but no, not, I've done way more than that in a year. But saying that, I'm not saying it's all good. You know, I just create. I like to create. It makes me connected to, you know, God and my gift. Do you have periods over the long run, like over the decades, where there's some years where you write a lot and there's some where you write less, or is it a constant thing? Constant. Every day, something new. Wow. So, like, how much of it ends up being heard by anybody, and how much of it is just collected within you, waiting for a chance or waiting in the background? I think it, most of it just collects, and then about maybe maybe five to ten percent people get to hear. Do you think that to be to do the kind of work you do in in your opinion is that necessary? Is that a key part of it that you have this iceberg where only the top part of it comes out? I don't know if it's necessary, but it's part of the process. You know, it's how you stay connected to you, the people you work with, and the and the the, the person that you are. By constantly dishing things out and you figure out what works, what doesn't. When I asked my friends who have worked with you what I should ask you, the, the thing that most people told me was just thoughts for young producers or aspiring producers. And so if there's anything else you have that you often give as lessons learned for, for younger people who are trying to do the same work you do, uh, I'd love to hear it. I would just say to create all the time. You know, don't worry about good songs or bad songs because you have to write a bad song to get to a good song. You have to play a bad show to get to a good show. It just doesn't start like, I wrote something great, you know? And if it does, that's generally a fluke, right? And I, I, that's what I would generally tell people. So it's about the long run. It's about the constant part of it rather than any, worrying too much about any individual thing. Yes. Yeah, that, that makes sense. What do your friends say? <laughs> oh, they... I'll ask my friend if I can say this. I remember I asked him once when everybody was switching over to doing things like memberships and exclusive content and Patreons and band camps and things like that. I asked him like, who's doing it? Who's great? Or like, what would you love to see out there? What's the best thing that you... And what he said was like, oh, if somebody like Shin and Jetty or especially Shin and Jetty started to show his process, that would be like my favorite thing that I would look for. I think it's important to share that. You know, I wish I wish people did that for me, you know. But now it's happening all the time, so it's wonderful. How do you find a balance between analytical mode and turning that off and just enjoying everything? Creativity is never an analytical mode. It's it's it's, it's just about feeling something out. Uh, the analytical mode comes after, like when you're dissecting it, when you're perfecting it, when you're mixing it, when you're putting in the nuances. So that's how I would describe it. Do you know the metaphor? Right, drunk, edit, sober. That's funny. <laughs> is it like that? It is kind of like that, yes. Who inspires you right now? Anybody? The artists that I work with, like the, some of the people I work with right now. I'm working with incredible people who are way beyond their years, their old souls, and it's interesting to, for them to see the world. It's interesting to see the world through their eyes and ears. Anyone that's authentic inspires me in any genre, in any medium. Would you say that you were an old soul when you were coming up? 
No. Why not? I don't know. I think I was just a curious soul. I wanted a taste of everything, you know? I didn't have anything like, I didn't feel like I've been here before or have like some great knowledge to do, to bestow upon you. It was more like I wanted to learn. And I still like that. I'm still like wanting to learn. I, I learned from every artist I work with, whether it's on Ableton or just a lyric writing or your musicality. I'm all learning. Are you often living really in the moment or are you thinking about a lot about what comes next or what's it coming up in the future? I'm living in the moment, worrying about the future, but living in the moment. Were you, was it like that when you were younger too? You've always been like that? Probably. Yes. Interesting. I didn't hear back from him in time, but I reached out to Tion Gibbs actually before you came on here because I really enjoyed what you've done with I Am The Living mm, and what you've done with him too. Thank you. I only know them a little bit. So what is it like to work with them? Uh, they're really great human beings. They're really like great men. And they're constantly working on making themselves better. And their craft is important to them. So that's really inspiring. What do you think that somebody like I Am The Living in particular, what's mm -hmm. like a quality that he has as an artist or as a person that you know because of your expertise, because of your experience, because of what you've seen? Something about what he does that you notice that is like, this is a major reason why he's successful. He's hard. He's a hard worker. He really wants it really badly. He's been doing it for a while. And also like he sacrifices everything for, for, for it. You know, he left his home country to come here and work with me. He didn't really know me that well, but he had enough faith that we would do something and he came. How do people get in touch with you for the first time, somebody like that, when they start working with you? What is that interaction? What does a dance look like when somebody gets in touch with you? Him, I met through a mutual friend. Not We didn't keep in touch, but we had a nice vibe when we visited. And then months later, he came and that was it. In your work today, like who are the people who make everything in Shin and Jetty's working life happen? Like who are the collaborators? Not necessarily just the musical ones, but like who who's on your team and, and how do what do they bring to the table to make everything you do happen? I have a manager, I have a, a lawyer who are both amazing. I have just a supportive family. Those those are the things that keep me sane and make it happen. Who was like the first person who's currently part of that team? Like who, who's been around the longest? Who are the people who have been around the longest? My manager and then my lawyer. I think a lot of my friends don't have any idea like what it means to have a manager necessarily or they, or they don't have the experience. Like what, what changed when you, when you got a manager versus before when you didn't? Well, first of all, you don't need a manager until you need something to manage, right? So what changed is everything became more organized. Everything had a system. Everything happened like, you know, boom, 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 rather than scattered, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. What's the story behind the name Thieves Like Us? Thieves Like Us is a production company that I started with Brian West, but it's actually, I think it's the title of a, a song by a group called New Order from the 80s. And we're real geeks for like music from the 80s and the 70s. Yeah. I just like the whole idea of like sampling music and be, being um, influenced by different songs and and then later take from those songs. So I just thought like, you know, you're kind of stealing, but you're not. So I thought it was funny to call it Thieves Like Us. Do you think that much of what you do can be taught? 
or do you think it has to kind of be learned by doing or some mixture of those things? I, I think a, a portion of it could be taught, like the actual skill of pressing buttons and knowing what compression does and knowing what, you know, like all the technical stuff. But I think the, the rest of it, you just can't teach, you know, like the way we cut vocals, the way you create harmony, the way you do counterpoint, you have to feel it and, and know, you know, there's a part of you that has to, be musical and a part of you has to have your own voice, you know, rather than trying to sound like everybody else. I would say maybe that stuff is all falls under the umbrella of taste. Is yeah. that, does that sound right? Totally. Like people in essence, when I produce records are really paying me for my taste, you know, my opinion. So you can't, yeah. You also can't teach um, the opinions and reactions that you have. And like, that's probably one of the most valuable things that, you would bring to the table when you produce for somebody, right? Is you can react to something right away and you can have an opinion on what should happen or what could change. I think so. You know, it's kind of like good producers, like a good stylist. We know how to dress a song for that person. You know, a good stylist would never put an outfit on a person that's wrong for them. You want to just dress the singer or the musician with the right sound. And then you can go through, you can wear different styles and go through different sounds and like different phases of your career, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Do you still really think about mixing genres a lot? Because I've heard you talk in past years about things like urban folk or something like that. Like, do you do you still think a lot about genres and the mix of them, or does it just kind of happen in any in any way now? I listen to music that way, so it comes out that way. Yeah. What do you mean you listen to music that way? I don't think about it as a genre. I think of it as a moment. It's not really about writing a funk song or a rock song. It's just a song, and then. Maybe some of it could be rocky, some of it can be funky. I don't know. It just melts together, you know? So do you come up with like that genre description or that hybrid description after when you look at it after it's been made? I don't really think about things like that. I just come up with the answers because people like you have questions. <laughs> you're the same when you create. You're not thinking about what people are going to call it or where you're, what kind of genre you're going to call it. You're just creating. Do you think that there's just too much focus on that after the fact by other people out there? I don't because people need something to talk to and, and they need some kind of jargon that makes the music relatable. You also need jargon in the studio to try and describe a sound that you're searching for, you're trying to get, right? Exactly. Can I ask you one more question and then I'll let you go? Absolutely. What's the kindest thing that anybody's done for you professionally in your career? The kindest thing that anyone, what, uh, the kindest thing anyone's done for you, thinking, you know, just showing their appreciation and turning that appreciation into real authentic friendship. Pretty kind thing, I think. You know, when you kind of cross the, you know, that, that, that line of professionalism and, and think like, this is a, this is a good friend, you know? And, and sometimes you, you, that happens, sometimes it doesn't, but at times that it happens, you're so grateful for it. Like I said, almost everyone that I work with are friends. Almost everyone, yeah. I'll let you get back to the studio. Jen, thanks for your time. Take care of yourself. If you like this podcast, subscribe to get more from wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you really like this sort of thing, visit rhythmchanges.ca and see what we're all about. And to support us directly, visit patreon.com slash rhythmchanges. We're here in the summer of 2021 and we're heading into some programming around the Vancouver Jazz Festival, but we'll catch you next time, whenever that is, on the Rhythm Changes podcast.
Rhythm Changes is a Chernoff Music production.